I've got a, a graphic image uh, uh, called the miracle of healing of the withered, the withered hand. And uh, we're going to be reading from, um, from 11 verses in Luke chapter 6. If you want to get your Bibles out or if you want to follow along with the media, you can do that. Uh, this will tell the entire story. And I'll tell you this right up front. There's more to be said about what preceded this miracle than the miracle itself. As a matter of fact, the miracle kind of almost takes second, kind of a second stage to what preceded it. And that was a, uh, if you want to call it a showdown with Jesus and the Pharisees over the issue of the Sabbath. And we'll get into that. And that really, be, uh, it, it almost overshadowed the miracle that came after it. But let's go and let's start Luke 6, verses 1 through 11. Verse 1, it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them with their hands. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do you do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day. Why do you do that which is lawful not to do? Now here's the Lord's reply. And by the way, this story is found in Luke 6 as well as Matthew 12 as well as in Mark chapter 3. Okay, and, they're, they're, and the reason I'm going through this entire thing is because all three versions of this story include this showdown with Jesus and the Pharisees. Okay, so that's going over it. So listen to this. So they ask, why do you do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them and said, have you not read so much as this? Now already, <laughs> you already know that Jesus is, is getting right near an attitude with this. Okay, he said, have you not read so much with this as this? What, that, what David did when himself was as hungered and they which were with him, how he went into the house of God the tabernacle itself, and, the, and did take and eat of the showbread, and gave also to them that were with him, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest alone. And when you get right down to it, this was far more of an infraction than plucking corn on the Sabbath. Okay, David going into the tabernacle itself, which, uh, which only the priest was able to enter in, and eating the showbread because he and the people that were with him were hungry. And this was far bigger infraction. And yet, listen to this, and he said unto them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And this is what he was trying to, to get across to them. He said, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath. Now this is something that only Luke mentions. On another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. Now in Matthew and Mark, it says that there was a man whose hand was withered. Luke actually tells us it was his right hand that it was withered. Okay, and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him, watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts. Only in Luke, he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered head, listen to what he said. 
rise up and stand forth in the middle of these people. Rise up, stand forth in the middle of these people. And the Bible says he arose and he stood forth. Mm -mm. Last part. Then said Jesus unto them, I'm going to ask you one thing. I think he's already passed the attitude part and he's going into a whole new part here. He said, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? Is it lawful to save life or to destroy it? And looking around about them all, the Bible says, He said unto the man, Stretch forth your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored whole like the other. And they were filled with madness and communed with one another on what they might do to Jesus. May the Lord bless His Word today. Now, let's go back to this backdrop of the miracle and this issue of the Sabbath. And I'm going to go to Luke 6, 2 in the, in the latter portion of that verse. It says, why do you do that which is not lawful on the Sabbath days? You see, the Jewish teachers had corrupted many of the commandments. We, the fact is, you, you only need to be... Um, very not even not accustomed to reading the Bible, that if you read the Old Testament through once or twice, you'll find out that, that God had nothing to do with a whole lot of these commandments that, uh, that the Pharisees brought up. No, what they, what they pretty much did was that they took the commandment and then they just started making amendments to it. Yes, addendums and amendments to it. And that's, and that's kind of how all of this came about, including that about the healing on the Sabbath day part. You see, they, by interpreting them more loosely that they were intended to be in, 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 uh, interpreted. And so a mistake which Christ discovered and rectified in Matthew chapter 5. So in Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7, you have the Sermon on the Mount. And so all of these commandments that they were interpreting loosely for their own benefit, for their own benefit. Now, would it just surprise you that they didn't put the hammer down on all the commandments, on just a couple of them, few of them, and there were some commandments that were just so loosely said? They left enough room. For them. Oh, for instance, let's just take one that I, I'm aware of right now. Let's just take one about. Remember the the uh, the instance where um, the woman is caught in the act of adultery. Now, just that very phrase, "caught in the act of adultery," that just throws up all kind of images in my mind that this woman was set up, okay, in a whole lot of ways. But somebody caught her in the very act of adultery. What the King James said, the very act of adultery. Okay, now, now here's the thing. The law of Moses does say, yep, you need to take her to the edge of the city and go stone her to death. Okay. But what they left out, Pastor Anthony, one little thing that they left out was that they're supposed to stone the man as well. Yep, oops. So that's just one of the many commandments that they loosely interpreted. There were several of them. 
But that was one of them right there. But there were others that they just tightened the screws on. And one of those commandments was the issue of the Sabbath, which was the fourth commandment. The Bible says that you will remember the Sabbath and keep it holy because it is the Lord's Sabbath, okay? And so they had erred in the other extreme concerning the Sabbath and interpreted it too strictly. Now, there are two problems that Jesus had with the Pharisees and with the issue over the Sabbath. Number one, the first problem here is that that the Sabbath had been reduced to a ritual rather than a reflection of your relationship with God. Now, now here's the thing. I grew, also grew up in a time and a place. Uh, tomorrow's my 62nd birthday. And I, okay. I didn't do it for that purpose, but thank you. Yes. Yes. But I grew up in a time and a place, in an old-time Pentecostal atmosphere where that that they had that they we had commandments that were kind of like the sabbath commandments here that they had become far more ritualistic than it reflected a relationship with god uh one of them was that i couldn't have hair basic sideburns i had to take my cut my sideburns off before i was ever going to get in the youth choir so i did i had to take my sideburns off sandy came to sing one night in the golden stairs choir she had to take her earrings off because they were African heathenistic ear bobs. Okay. Yes, that's exactly what they were called, African heathenistic ear bobs. Okay, and uh, you know, and uh, we had to sign a membership card. We're not going to go to movies. We're not going to smoke. We're not going to chew. We're not going to go out with girls that do. Okay, we're going to get it. So, you know, we had to, we had to, we had to sign all of these rules. These rules, which basically had no scriptural basis to them whatsoever, but they were just commandments that had just been strictly controlled. But this is what they did. Secondly, you know, see, you could, you could actually... Here's the thing. You could actually heal on the Sabbath? Yes, you could, according to the rules. If the person was dying. But if they're not dying, then you've got to wait till tomorrow. No, Sunday in this case. Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath, is from 6 o'clock Friday night to 6 o'clock Saturday night. That's the Jewish Sabbath. Okay? So Monday was, Sunday was the first day of the week. Okay? So anyway, so you had to wait Sunday in order to heal them. Okay? So, number two, number two, the problem that Jesus had with them is that the views were totally hypocritical in light of history. He brought up himself, David and the showbread were far bigger infraction where David, not a priest, went in to the tabernacle and began to eat the showbread that was only for the priest to offer before the Lord because he was hungry. And the reason that Jesus brought this up, and by the way, there are three more occasions where Jesus would deal again with this issue of the Sabbath with the Pharisees. And every time that he deals with this issue, he deals with it with the same argument about David. Why? Somebody tell me why. Somebody tell me why. Close. No, really, really, real close. Real close, real close. Anybody else want to take a stab at it? It was because the Jews regarded David as the greatest king of Israel. 
He was as much God as God could be on this earth in their eyes. He was as God as God could be on this earth in their eyes. And so for Jesus to bring up that David went into the tabernacle and started eating showbread and not even a priest. And this was something that they had no answer for. And that is why Jesus used this example time after time after time after time over this argument with the Sabbath. He used the same narga and never had an answer back. And then he got, he said, and then in the book of Matthew, Matthew goes into this issue farther when he says, which of you having a sheep in the ditch would not pull it out on the Sabbath? And of course, he, nobody could answer him either because he knew good and well they would. And this is work. You want to get right down to it? The, on, on the Sabbath day, a Jew could not go farther than just a few hundred yards from his house because it would be considered work walking that far. Yes. Absolutely. And then Jesus said, which of you having a sheep in the ditch would not pull it out on the Sabbath day? And of course he knew the answer. All of them would. He said, is this man not more valuable than a sheep? And of course he was. And they had no answer to Jesus. None whatsoever. Here's the thing. This is a little nugget that you can always remember, and it came from Pastor Paul. Okay? So you might want to write this down, put it in your iPad, iPhone, Samsung Galaxy, or tablet, or if you want to go classic and write it down in your Bible. Okay? Uh, here, listen, beware of people who make it their business to criticize other people's walk with God. Amen. Beware of people who make it their business to criticize other people's walk with God. The very... You hear any preacher start to get on a hobby horse about anything, whether it's smoking or drinking or, or the Playboy magazine at 7-Eleven, or whatever it is. You hear any preacher start over and over and over, oh, we need to have a protest over this whole situation. I would lay anything on my credit cards that this man is battling with that very problem, and he is trying to yeah. mask it with his huge protest. As a matter of fact, Unfortunately, in the 80s, that was brought to light with a lot of preachers. So beware people who spend their life criticizing other people's walk with God and what they do or what they do not do. All right? All right, now, the one thing that, that, that we want to we go ahead and make very sure of here about the Sabbath is the Sabbath is God's and not ours. The Sabbath is God's and not ours. In Exodus 20, verses 8 through 10, the Bible says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. All right. Okay, but listen to this. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. The seventh day is the Sabbath of God. Say this with me. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. In it you shall not do any work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, 
nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor your strangers that is within thy gates. Now, before I go on any further, I want to go ahead and clear this up as well because I know we're all wondering in our hearts and our minds about this, okay? Because what about people who work on Sunday? Let me tell you something. You know, before we get all, all, and we tighten the screws on the Sabbath commandment, okay, about the very day, okay, the whole, the bigger picture here is that God is wanting you to lay aside one day of the week that is His and not yours. What if I had to work seven days a week? Then you need to get another job. Quite frankly, and I don't even back up off of that. You work seven days a week, you're going against the Word of God to be perfectly honest with you. You don't need the job that bad. You pray and God will give you another job. Amen. 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 I believe that with all of my heart. Because something needs to belong to God. Some of your time belongs to God. Just like the tithe belongs to the Lord. Also, one day a week belongs to God. Now, if it happens to be Sunday, praise God, hallelujah, glory to God, thank you, Jesus. But if it happens to be one other day of the week that you set aside, that you don't work, and that you will either, A, go to the house of God, be a part of a, of a Bible study and, and devote yourself unto God and pray and fast and that kind of stuff, well then let that be that. Yeah. But it is God's Sabbath and not ours. As a matter of fact, listen to this, over in Isaiah 58 where it talks about the big fasting scripture. Uh, Isaiah 58 verse 13, If you will turn away your foot, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day. Do you hear what that phrase said? From doing your pleasure on my holy day. And call the Sabbath a delight. The holy of the Lord, honorable, and you shall honor Him not doing your own thing. It says ways. That's what it means. Not doing your own thing, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Now let me tell you what it's meaning right here. Is that we're in trouble when we start regarding the Sabbath as a day that we'll just go out and have a good day before the Lord. And you know what? And the first thing I'll hear about all this, well, I watch, I watch, you know, Joel Osteen on TV. As if this is what God made TV for. So that you could skip being with the people of God on Sunday. And you can just go do your own thing, have your own pleasure do whatever you want to and forget the fact that God gave you the job to begin with so that you could have a day off on Sunday. Right. By the way, He gives us what He gives us out of His grace and out of His favor and out of His love and out of His mercy, but He is not bound to give us anything. How about those apples? He does so because of His love for us. And if we stop, we stop honoring Him on the day that He wants to be honored on, then folks, we're just inviting trouble into our lives in all sorts of ways. And all sorts. And is it wrong for you to take a vacation? Absolutely not. Sandy and I are living proof of that. We take vacations and we're not, and we're proud to do it. Okay? And we are so glad that we have capable hands of leaving our church into. That is fantastic. We do it. I encourage everybody in my church to do so. 
But when it gets to the place that you're just taking vacation after vacation after vacation after vacation after vacation, and you're taking more vacations, you are in the house of God. We got a problem here because it goes against this word right here. It goes against this scripture from doing your own, own pleasure on my holy day. Let me tell you something. It is. It should, according to this scripture right here, it should be a pleasure for you to come to the house of God and worship God on this day. It should be a pleasure for you. He said, I want you to call my Sabbath a delight. That we're delighted to come and be in the house of God. We're delighted to come to be with one another. We're delighted to come to worship God with one another. And we're delighted to come to hear God's Word preached to us, to build us up, to give us a foundation, to make us a stronger disciple, that we may go into the world and fulfill the Great Commission. Praise God forevermore. Amen. It's a delight. It's a delight. It's a privilege. It's a privilege that every one of you have, as well as I do. Okay. Now, now that we have dealt with the Sabbath, let's talk about the miracle. Okay? The miracle. And we're going to look at Luke 6 and verse, uh, verse number 6 in the latter portion. And the Bible says, There was a man whose right hand was withered. Okay. Now, uh, as I said earlier, uh, Matthew and Mark uh, talk about, uh, or excuse me, it was a. Uh, yeah, Matthew and Mark talk about the man whose hand was withered, but only Luke talks about it being his right hand that was withered. And you might ask, what is, what is a withered hand to begin with? So, I got a graphic together. Go to the next one right there, because I think it's the next one. Yeah. Most likely, the withered hand was polio, of which was eradicated in our country, thank God, during the early part of the 60s, late 50s, early 60s, or uh, uh, polio was all but eradicated. Okay? But not during this time. You'll find out that many of the miracles that happened and the healings that happened during the days that Jesus did His public ministry had a lot to do with paralysis and stuff like this here. There was a lot of it that, that went on during that particular time. And I see many of the miracles... Uh, of Jesus Christ that deal with this one issue right here. Maybe the polio virus was rampant during that time. I don't know. But in all likelihood, this is what it was. Because look at this word withered. In the Greek, uh, in the Greek translation, it, it, it means to dry up. It means to, um, as a matter of fact, to scorch. Literally to scorch, to dry up. Which means this. It's like the the blood and the muscles and the bones have all dried up. And there's no life left to this portion of the body. And so as you see right here in this graphic, the skin is clinging. You can see every, uh, uh, every uh, blood vessel right there. It's clinging to his bones and they're all gnarly. And he probably can't even move them very well because of this. This is what the withered hand was right here. Okay, and so in the book of Luke, it was his right hand. Now, in Mark 6 and 7, the Bible says this, And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. Now, this word watched here means that, that not only did they just see him, but they kept watching him. 
In other words, when Jesus walked into the doors of the uh, uh, in, on the Sabbath day into the synagogue, just before he spoke, uh, they were looking at him, waiting to see what he would do. They knew this man with the withered hand was there. Most likely, they brought him there. Most likely, they brought him there for this very purpose to see what Jesus would do. Because if he healed on the Sabbath day, and by the way, this man was probably in a great deal of pain, but he was not dead. And he was not dying. So by Jesus healing on the Sabbath day, according to these laws and commandments, now they've got an accusation against Jesus with the council, with the Sanhedrin council. Now they got it. So they're watching him. What will he do? What will he do? Will he call us out like this? And oh, and I just love love this next portion because the Bible says in Luke. 6 and 8, the Bible says, but he knew their thoughts. He knew their thoughts. I love that. You know, it probably didn't even take discerning the spirits. They were probably, you know, just darting their eyes like this, looking for him, uh, whispering, it's like it, just doing anything they can to see what he would, and Jesus knew their thoughts. Which makes this even more interesting. Because he did know their thoughts, and he did this anyway. Oh, oh, this is good. See, Jesus, (laughs) Jesus not only knew the Pharisees would make an issue, an accusation concerning him, he went ahead with the healing of this man's hand in spite of, or maybe because of it. This miracle was no longer a matter of just healing the man's hand. It was a matter of Jesus planting himself in his right to heal on the Sabbath. So this became no longer about simply healing the man. Jesus was going to make a point to every one of them that He was Lord of the Sabbath and it was His right to to heal a man that had more value than sheep. It was His right to heal this man in the synagogue. And you know what? I'll tell you what. Whether you look at it through the eyes and the ministry of uh, the public ministry of Jesus Christ or the eyes of the disciples that followed Him in Acts on into Revelation. Let me tell you something. that You would see a lot of things happening while in the synagogue and these healings and miraculous things taking place. Which is why I believe in healing taking place in the body of Christ and in the church when we meet. I believe in the miracles. I believe in faith being exercised. I believe in the tongue interpretation of tongues and prophetic utterance. I believe, glory to God, in the mental gifts of the word of knowledge. I believe in every one of the gifts of the Spirit being expressed when we meet because we have it happening all through the life of Jesus and all through the lives of the disciples from Acts to Revelation. We have it as a template. 
And if we're not doing acts like things in our midst today, then we're not being the acts like church that Jesus set forth in the book of Acts. Hmm. So this miracle was no longer about the healing of the man's hand. It was a matter of Jesus planting himself in his right to heal on the Sabbath. You know what? There are some things, going to this next one, there are some things that are worth the fight and the consequence. You understand? Some things that are worth the fight and the consequence to go with it. And here's the thing. You know what? There are way too many times that the body of Christ shrinks back because they don't want to get their hands dirty. We don't want people's eyes to be upon us and have to deal with the fact that we might actually get in trouble by some of this. And Jesus proved with His stand, planting Himself in the midst of this synagogue and saying, I am Lord of the Sabbath and I will heal this man that has more value than a sheep. And the fact is, he didn't mind getting his hands dirty. He didn't mind the fight, and he did not mind the consequence of it. And I'm here to tell you right now, folks, there are some things in our life that it's worth fighting for. And there are some things that are worth the consequence that go afterwards. That is to say that always, that when we're, even when we're fighting for the right thing, that we will not be without consequence. More than likely, if it is the right thing, there will be a consequence to it that there are some things that are worth fighting for, just like Jesus showed us in this whole situation. I feel like somebody needs to hear that. Luke 6, listen to this, Luke 6 and verse 8, latter portion. Rise up and stand forth in the middle. Rise up and stand forth in the middle. In other words, this was not going to be, unlike the rest of the miracles that Jesus did were very simple in the sense that there was no big, huge fanfare about it. He just did it, moved on, they moved on, and that was that. Okay, now there is much fanfare. Now it is. Okay, and that is why he's saying in the middle of the synagogue, stand, rise up and stand forth. Rise up and stand forth. And, and no longer are the, uh, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees that are there with him no longer are they whispering, what is he going to do? They know what's about to happen. They know what's about to happen. You could rest assured this is an in-your-face moment for Jesus. He was going to establish who he was in this earth and that everything that they had known to be true in the past was about to be shaken up violently. Sometimes that's good. Oh, <laughs> boy. Okay, look here. Now, listen to this. He said, so this miracle would not be simple as the others, but between he and the affirmed. But the Lord would use this miracle to reveal his lordship over the Sabbath and reveal the darkness of their heart. Listen to this. Luke 6 and 9b. Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? The Bible says that he went about doing good. 
healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Glory to God, for God was with him. Let me tell you something about the ministry of this church that God has called us to. It is not enough for us to come on Sunday or Wednesday or whenever that we're going to be here, be with one another, hear great singing, and just hear great preaching. It is not enough. God has called us to be salt and light in this community. He's called us to be the light of the world in this community. It is not enough for us just to be here. It is enough that we go about and do good. Do good. It is God's will that we go out doing good. Listen to this. He said, is it, he said, is it lawful to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And the way he puts it here, it seems like to me that he is saying it's either or. You're either going to, on the Sabbath, you're either going to do good and not evil, or you're going to save life or you're going to destroy it, one of the two. He's giving an either or in his explanation here. The same verbiage was used in Mark. But Jesus used this phrase to simplify what he was doing. He was doing good and saving life. Oh, glory to God. And our ministry as believers and disciples of Jesus Christ is to do good and to save life. Glory to God. Luke chapter 6 and verse 10. Luke 6 and 10. The Bible says, And looking round about upon them all. So Jesus was not even finished now. First of all, he tells the man to stand in the middle. Rise up and stand in the middle of everybody. And while he is rising up, standing in the middle, and after Jesus is saying, you tell me, is it right on the Sabbath to do good and to, or evil, to save life or to destroy it? Which one is right? Okay, which they could not answer. Okay, but no, nah, he's not through yet. No, he's not. Now he's going to begin to do a circular motion and look round about them all into their eyes. He stops what he's doing and he's looking round about to see the expression on everybody's face. Now here is where Luke does not add as much as uh, the book of, I believe it was Mark, if it was... Uh, let me see what it says. Oh, Mark chapter 5 and verse 5. The same thing. Listen. And when he had looked round about on them with anger. With anger being grieved for the hardness of their heart. He just didn't look at them. He looked at them with anger. So we find out that the money... the the. The, the money changers weren't the only recipients of his anger. He looked around about them with his anger as well, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. And this word hardness right here, it right here means being insensitive, indifferent, and unsympathetic toward the plight of this man right here. Now was he dying? No, he was not dying. But this man had been infirm for God knows how long and there was a way to heal him in the middle of them. And all Jesus was doing was asking, give me a chance to heal this man on the Sabbath. And so, I believe that there are some things that are worth being angry about. Now Jesus 
said he looked at around about them with anger, being grieved for the, the, the unsympathetic hearts that they had toward this man. And now here's a, something else that you can write down in your Bible that Pastor Paul said that might eventually get me in trouble. Hopefully not today. But there are some things worth being angry about. Choose them wisely. Choose what you're going to be angry about wisely. Make sure that it is planted solidly in the Word of God and that there's something to where you just biblically and with your walk with God that you can't stand any longer. But there are some things that are worth being angry about. Some things that you should not put up with. Was Jesus not loving in all this? Jesus loved them, but He loved His his Father even more. And the fact of the matter is that that they were trampling on the very thing that God had given them as a day of rest and that healing should be applied and given to all that call upon His name. And, 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 and He was setting the record straight here. Alright, we're about through here. Look here. This miracle in Luke 6 and 10 in verse B. Listen, watch it. Look here, okay. The next one was, this miracle, like all the others, was a command to be obeyed. He said, stretch forth your hand. Didn't lay a hand on Him. Didn't lay a hand on Him. Didn't do anything but just simply commanded the man, stretch forth your hand. And the Bible says as he stretched it forth, it became whole like the other. You'll find out that the miracles of God can happen in your life and you don't have to go 400 miles to a healing evangelist to get it done. Amen. You know, you, you really don't. Uh, you really don't. It can happen right here, right now, today, before you even leave this place. God can heal your body. God can give you a miracle in your life. God can do it right here and now. And I don't even have to lay hands upon you for it to happen. Nobody has. You, you exercise the authority of God that is in Christ Jesus. You know the Word of God and you know your relationship with, with God Himself and you can make the command just like Jesus made the command and it will happen for you like it happened for Him. This is how it works. This is how it works right here that, that we don't have to go through all of the fanfare oh Lord that is associated with with Christians we don't have to do it it is simple because it's the word of God the Lord wants you to be healed Jesus took 39 stripes upon his back that you may be healed and not sick the days of your life he came that you might have life and life more abundantly that didn't include sickness. Okay, and the Bible says, and only in Luke, Luke 6 and 11, and they were filled with madness. <laughs> Imagine that. They were filled with madness and uh, commune with one another how, what they might do with Jesus. Okay, so when we fulfill the work of Jesus Christ by His command, not everyone will be happy. Hmm. 
Huh? Not everyone will be happy. Uh, sometimes people will work against us. We have to ask ourselves these two questions when weighing out our response. Number one, are we doing good? And number two, are we saving life?